Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me, Dr. Richard Oldberger, on another episode of the Richard Listens Podcast. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, Patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram. Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. We're doing a host of running topics, lately focusing on an interest of mine, which is men's health, which has become predominantly a focus as myself evolve into fatherhood and as a man through different journeys and particularly through the COVID-19 pandemic and how we evolve in these different roles in fatherhood and being a son and being a man and some of the popular topics we've been encountering in the world and media today involving toxic masculinity and some of the ideas that get implanted about how we need to show up as a man and how that may conflict with men's health and men's mental health in general. Today, my guest will be Mr. Patch McCormick, and he's a former ad man turned mental health professional. He spent eight years running social impact advertising agencies in New York City, climbing from first employee to managing director and then partner in short order. He managed a team of 20 and produced award-winning work for brands such as Coca-Cola, Indeed.com, and the Rockefeller Foundation. Patch also started and led agencies cultural activism division, developing campaigns to raise awareness and drive legislative change on issues ranging from gentrification to gun control. Despite being proud of the social impact work that he'd spearheaded, the impact was not as tangible as he'd experienced via teaching, volunteering, or peer support in 12-step programs and group therapy. Therefore, in 2019, Patch sought tangible impact as a clinical social worker, therapist, and coach. 
Patch will finish his MSW in June at UCLA, and then will continue his work as a therapist at LA's top mental health agency, Didi Hirsch. Patch's mission is to normalize male health and male emotionality, not only as a social worker and therapist, but also as a friend, son, brother, dad, and partner. Without further ado, it is my honor to welcome Mr. Patch McCormick. Thank you for making time for us on a Friday. Oh my God, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, the interest. Absolutely. Yeah, so we connected. Uh, you did a brave thing. You, uh, you reached out via Facebook groups. Apparently that's a thing in our profession these days. And you said, Amazing, hey, right? yeah, you said, hey, who's out there? Who's a man in, in social work? Who wants to connect, right? Like, and be a resource and, and maybe focus on helping other men, right? What was that like? Totally. I mean, honestly, it was an experience. I started grad school in 2019 and, you know, came from a very male dominated industry, you know, advertising, right? I did social impact environmental advertising, you know, coming into the therapy world, you're hit with this sort of kind of dual isolation or dual stigma, let's call it in that on the one hand, you're going into a profession that is by and large feminized, right? Like, it's not common that you hear of a male therapist, or it's certainly, you know, it's not regarded as like, oh, that's a man's profession, right? So that is somewhat isolating. And then you know, once you get into the world, it's, you know, it's very female dominated, which is awesome in many respects. But also it's like, to be a man within that context is like, I need to build some community around this. So that's why I reached out to the Facebook group. And, and, uh, you know, I still I, I plan to sort of launch a male therapist LA page, you know, to connect on on that sort of shared experience, but also around, you know, the shared mission of helping men specifically and normalizing male emotionality. Yeah. And you said a lot just even there in that intro. And I want to break that a little bit up and hear more <laughs> about the journey from advertising. But I can just say, right, like in being over 15 years as a professional, that that journey can be very isolating. And, and I don't think a lot of therapists are aware, maybe by nature, there's a certain empath nature or introvert nature. Maybe some of those things go along with it. But the long term, that can lead to, you know, a lot of isolation, a lot of absorption of the problems that's that we're experiencing and absorbing and 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 not a lot of resources around that and then what happens when when life happens what happens when issues of a man's life happen transitions you know grief right the pain of experiencing other vicarious loss or vicarious trauma so not having community or a, a tribe i know that term is sometimes seen as you know you know, pejorative, but some form of community to connect to? What, what are the risks of that long-term? But before we get into that, I mean, I want to know, like, how did you make this pivot, right? It was a risk for you as a man. Where did you find that permission inside yourself to be like, yep, yeah, I'm out, you know, I'm leaving advertising. You guys take my Coca-Cola cutouts and uh, see ya. You know, as you mentioned, right, it's like, you know, big change. You go from people asking what you do, you say you do advertising, they're like, oh, cool, what kind? you know, like that checks out to, I want to be a therapist. And they're like, what, you know, why, you know, I st started in advertising. This was all in New York. I started a few different agencies. I got into the ground floor with some just like 
heavy hitting industry veterans out by sheer luck and networking. You know, I was fortunate enough to work my way up and and really, you know, work for Coca-Cola and, you know, Indeed.com, Harmless Harvest, Coconut Water, you know, Rockefeller Foundation, L'Oreal, all, all sorts of brands. But generally it was around a, we were most famous for sort of purpose-driven work, right? So social impact, environmental work. I was in, yes, advertising, very male-dominated. You were choosing a path that was already about social action. Exactly. So I was always purpose-driven, right? I was just doing it within a quote unquote, acceptable male context, right? And what I found was that, you know, while we were making a lot of positive impact, it was, you know, it was intangible impact. It was more around awareness for causes like, you know, we, we did a lot of work around gentrification and gun control and, you know, waste reuse, environmental stuff, but it ultimately you know, like that was very different from what I experienced through my own hobbies and men's work and therapy and like 12 step programs and teaching. I was a teacher once upon a time. That was very direct, tangible, one on one impact that is electric, right? And what I was feeling in those worlds, right? The therapy worlds, the men's work was like, man, this is real life, right? This is where I want to be 100% of the time. And in a boardroom, I feel like I'm faking it, you know, like this just feels like it's not enough for me, right? And I don't feel the impact that I'm making. So how hard was it to come to terms with that? Yeah, it took me, you know, I was in advertising for almost a decade. I knew probably three years in that i I didn't want to stay within, but I kept getting promotions, kept getting more money, partnership, still plotting. But that entire time I was, you know, continuing with my men's work, all that stuff. And it uh, wasn't until I read a book, well, after a bunch of therapy, and then also reading a book called Designing Your Life. And, you know, the book is by two Stanford design school professors, but they you know, it's about career and life changes um, and career and life sort of general alignment. You know, basically just like has you track what gives you energy throughout the day, what drains you and where you find engagement and then where you find flow, right? I grew up in a home where I wasn't really allowed to decide what I wanted to do. I had to be a high achiever everywhere. So that made me pretty, you know, like I wasn't, I didn't know what I really liked, you know? Just do great, whatever, like. <laughs> I got I got to do great everywhere. So my needs don't matter. But that journaling was really amazing. And then I created three five-year plans from it. I ultimately ended up executing on it. I did, like I said, it was assisted by a lot of therapy, men's groups, Al-Anon, which is for friends and family of alcoholics and addicts. And Plant medicine, frankly, you know, journeys really working on the belief in myself part. With like a shaman or guide and that, that kind of work? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning these were usually typically like 20 to 40 people ayahuasca ceremonies. And Gabor Mate's really talked about that in his healing work and the newest, oldest form of medicine probably that's been going on. And, you know, obviously we encourage people to get educated and, and make course, sure you're doing it course. safely and find out more. But it is a form of integrative health. It's even covered in integrative health courses right now. 
for professionals in our field because so many are using plant medicine in different different forms, uh, whether it be through diet, nutrition, or you mentioned, or ceremonies, right? Is that the official or journeys, right? So, you know, EMDR, which is one of the practices I use in my practice is really about that also, right? Rewriting the narrative, the stories yeah. we tell ourselves, the beliefs that we have to be a certain way and how much of our lives we go on living and behaving in a way that we're not even conscious of. I tell most of the clients that come in to see me that I had a vision that at 20, I had to be 27 with a red sports car and a PhD before I could ever get into a relationship. You know, <laughs> I have no idea where this came from. That Some sounds impressive. Yeah, but it, it's it's so limiting. But it's this idea based on valuation of wealth and status and material that that you're worthy totally. of something. And that's a little bit of the you know my New York or you know cultural upbringing and you know what creates security and things like that not being drilled for my community but you know once you get beyond that to realize whoa i don't even know where this story is coming from and is it my own story look at what it's motivating me and how it's motivating me to act big time and i decide that is some form of self but maybe it has nothing to do with who i am or what i want to be in this world yeah, or maybe it never was your story to begin with. It was it was passed down to you, you know. Yeah, so maybe you know, talk to the you know right there about that. You mentioned Al-Anon. I refer a lot of clients to that. If you do happen to come from a family where there was substance abuse and and you had to put aside your own needs, yeah, what, what can Al-Anon do for for people? And and what are some of the tools that that you use the most? Maybe from from that practice. I guess the first most important piece is Al-Anon. They, they talk about being a program that does not promote. All of that I'm saying is on behalf of Al-Anon, what have you. It's generally what they cover is powerlessness and acceptance. Those are the two biggest things that the program covers, right? You're powerless over other people, places, and things. And in this case, another person's addiction. Often folks that come into Al-Anon are either, you know, helpers or enablers. Like they end up in relationships with people that need a lot of help and they subjugate all of their needs and they think that they can fix this other person. So there's a lot of uh, helping profession people in Alan, ironically. And then, you know, another piece is like very controlling types that like, like to control situations, uh, fix things, they're fixers. And, you know, the number one premise is you're powerless over other people, places and things. So you can't help this person. You need to detach with love and they need to learn themselves. They need to come to conclusions themselves and you need to basically model um, working on yourself and protect yourself. And then the other piece is acceptance. It's really, I think those inner two are very connected, but it's basically acceptance that, you know, you are powerless. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you said so much right there, you know, because a lot of my male clients, right. Accepting that I can't fix this problem that's coming to me in a relationship or right. That I can't control it. There's nothing I can do brings out a lot of emotions, which are really uncomfortable. And when we feel uncomfortable time. things, right. Anxiety is one way to stuff it all down. So, you know, whether it be anxiety or anger or depression, because I've tried the ways to fix it or help and I cannot, or they're in, been ineffective, you know, that struggle with not being able to do anything and that being out of line, like it's, a, it's not okay to not help or not do. 
Totally. I mean, you know, no matter what way angle you come at it for a male, but specifically, since you brought that up, admitting or, you know, even just saying, okay, I'm, I'm powerless, or I feel powerless. That's like you violate the man code when right, you're kind of nullifying your gender. Well, at least if, you know, if that's the way you identify with gender and your sense of a man, yeah, that's the kind of interpretation maybe that's shifting maybe that's shifted you know i mean it's a, it's a, it's a spectrum right whether you identify as you know identifying as a male regardless of you know whether you're born with those parts or not there comes with that a social construct of masculinity how do we understand masculinity as a society you know what messages are we sent from a young age about what men are supposed to be like from movies toys books you know, the president, I think, you know, like that was a big piece, but what was even bigger and more important was, you know, in, in Al-Anon, there's a big, it's a big program about expressing oneself openly in a group setting. And, you know, I think for anyone that's hard to do, but, you know, men also in a big way being vulnerable. And these are Al-Anon's co-ed, right? It's not, not just men, right? I do men's work specifically, but Co-ed work is like even more powerful because you get, you're being vulnerable, admitting you're powerless in front of women, admitting all of that and sharing vulnerably and then having people accept you after that. It's a thawing experience. If you, if you were numb or frozen or didn't know how to feel your emotions before that, you know, that really helped me specifically, you know, it's the support right it's the it's the, the experiencing of the unconditional respect and regard and that Correct. nothing all your fears are are just their fears right they're not going to be met with anything but respect absolutely but yeah. it's it's like that right whether it be a journey or a men's circle right or an Al-Anon meeting it's almost like you have to get to this corrective experience in order to shift in the way you relate to the world. Absolutely. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be vulnerable right now. I still kind of suck at asking for help and I've worked at it right a lot, but that just, you know, it's a testament to how ingrained in me it was that it's not okay to ask for help as a man or else you, you you're weak. Right. But you know, in Al-Anon um, and in my men's groups, and as you saw on that Facebook page, I practice asking for help all the time and the the reality that's a good is, exercise right for for men or anybody who's struggling with this right like anyone yeah you know like commit to the smallest degree i felt so humbling yesterday i asked a 17 year old to help me figure out how to put uh, some more <laughs> some more oil in the car and he was like oh yeah i know how to do it. you know i was like he's like i watched the youtube on it yeah. no, I mean, he probably you know he had learned he had seen you know his dad or, or somebody else showing it yeah or whatever he knew and it was just it was this amazing is he judging me am i right am i weak but it was it's also like profoundly like when you let go of all that like it taught me tremendous respect for this young man number one he's like 17 he was willing to help me out like he could have been like see i'm on the way to practice not going back to his house again you know but instead it was like those moments like looking for those moments if we're clear that we're looking for help and we're looking for support not just about physical support right although it can be right it can be you know identifying that like i have no idea really how to you know, pitch a tent or go camping without some guidance. But, but it can often be also just around emotional things, right? 
For sure. And, and, you know, I think the irony is, well, two things to say there. The irony is it's the opposite of weak, right? It takes immense courage to ask for help. And, you know, really who is living in fear? Those not asking for help. They're afraid to ask for help because, you know, afraid of looking weak. And I admit, I put my hand up. It's still scary for me to ask for help, right? I still sometimes don't know how to do it. But every time with, you know, minor, minor exceptions, I feel not only stronger afterwards, but I feel connected, right? Connected, right? Because vulnerability is like, it's like the gasoline for connection. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. You, you start taking a, like an inventory of your own needs and you start looking at what am I really wanting as a man? What am I wanting for my relationships what am I wanting for my career choices totally right when you start looking at well I want a sense of making a difference I want that I forget what you talked about it but that level of tangible right? impact yeah yeah I want to feel that level 10 whatever that is for me right I've experienced I got glimpses of it right or I want more connection I want more you know I know the word intimacy has many different meanings many people but I want that connection I want to feel like I'm amongst a band of band of brothers and that nothing I say, if I do, you know, if I do act out of line with my goals or needs, I'll be held accountable with care. And if I do need help getting to my next level, I'll be offered that support. And there's really, you know, there's no experience that will get met with shame or isolation. So, you know, that may be a reaction to or rejection, right? There's nothing that you can share that somebody else hasn't felt or gone through and that another human being couldn't help you work through if there's trust there. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, that's the operative word, right? And, and I think that's the challenge is for people to feel safe enough to trust others to not shame. I think it would be naive or, or naive and, and irresponsible of me, for example, to say like, you know, you will never be met with shaming that's not true there's frankly like a lot of men out there that have a lot of room to grow right and the shame I think your audience and you know emotions pretty well right you certainly <laughs> you certainly do which is you know shame is usually like protecting us from something right meaning when you're shaming someone else right for them it, you know it's like 
someone expressing vulnerability is scary. It's like, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't yeah, have the Because it's reminding them of their own vulnerability. That's true. So, yeah. you know, and I guess that leads us to, right, like, obviously, you're going to encounter toxic people. I encountered a toxic person uh, just trying to pull out of a parking spot yesterday. <laughs> of course. So it's everywhere. I was like, well, I have no idea what I just ran into. But And we're all experiencing some of that. So I guess the question then is how in your men's groups, how is it different, right? How do you set the framework or the, how do you create a container for that trust? So that when people do experience these defenses, right, this uncomfortability, right? I'm not sure I'm ready to hear that. Not sure I'm ready to hear that TV star coming out or about their grief, or I'm not sure I want to hear what's behind the surface, right? Like, I don't want to go there, man. That's, you know, I don't want the drama, whatever it is that, that a lot of men don't ha have patience for. How do you create the space for that? How do we allow for that to get a little bit more comfortable yeah. Dialogue can take place. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Let's see, I, there, there are a couple of ways to answer it. I think, I think once you, when you're creating a container, right, like a men's group um, or a container of a dyad, right, meaning like a therapist and client, it, there is an initial period, right, where sort of general ground rules are laid out and there's a rapport being built where that safety, that feeling of safety is being established. And then you build from there, right? You know, within our men's group, there are certain rules that establish that safety. One big one is like no advice. I think, you know, it's like whether male or female, I think we all grew up with, you know, varying levels of shoulding and meaning like you should do this or this is bad, this is good. And, you know, advice can feel pretty unsafe sometimes. That I think is probably one of the biggest rules within a men's group is like, it's not about providing advice, it's asking questions. I think when you mention like, okay, someone doesn't want to go there, right? Like, oh, I don't want to like touch on this topic. Depending on where you are in the relationship, right? Whether you're a therapist and a client or a men's group, if there is enough trust already there, often you know, it might be okay to challenge that person. Okay, you know, what's coming up for you? What is underneath you not wanting to go there? Or hearing, you know, hearing about this person coming out, like what's it bringing up for you? So there's a lot of like, we use felt sense, you know, a lot of like what's happening in your body right now. So someone doesn't have the emotional language at the time. Like, what are you feeling in your body? Basic, uh, is your heart beating? Are you sweating? You know, just like feel into that. What's going on there? What do you think that's telling you, your body? And this is like called felt sense, Peter Levine, somatic experiencing. We use that a lot in my, my men's group. Yeah. And this, by the way, is something that changed the way, you know, I'm a somatic experience practitioner and it oh, wow. changed, yeah, the way in which I practiced. Amazing. It's, it, it's the most influential thing to my practice and, and probably to my internal work right? You mentioned as a therapist, like needing to find that thing that you do yourself. And then that is what you can give to your clients. Very different than talking about something that, you know, you would not or do not use yourself. Or a certain disconnect there, which may happen for a lot of physicians and, and providers, right? 
people that don't take their own advice, right? We're all guilty of that at some point in time. So the idea behind, right, the felt sense grounding exercise, connecting to your body and the earth, getting into, right? I may not know when I'm getting angry. I may not notice the subtleties of when something is starting to make me upset, right? Being able to slow down when that happens in our close relationships or, right? I I personally didn't have, when I first started therapy, I didn't know that there were five core emotions. I didn't even know that. I mean, sure, I knew, but I didn't know how to name them. Well, it's also part of somatic experience. Well, because it's important. It's important to step into those spaces. And, and part of flow, as you as you mentioned, is one of the steps there, right? Like there is something happening and I'm not offended by it. So uh, regularly, and I love it about the podcast medium, because it's like something starts to come up that's like, wait a minute, I really want to hear how the listeners say it. Or my guest tells a part of a story or a client say something that they may not realize that they're skipping over, right? Like the record player, right? We're leaving a space between, wait a minute did you just see how you crushed it in that area or you just did this thing that we've been working on for five years and you just glossed it over like like you said oh well i gotta go perform in nine other things today so just give me a rag and i'm gonna just throw that right i don't i don't need the credit or i don't need to celebrate the wins and it's like hold on a minute no no i'm cutting you off right there so I'm glad you did it. And yeah, it's a really good point, right? I mean, this is not just for men, but for anyone who's been through, if you did have to go through a situation where you had a parent who was controlling, if there was violence, if there was alcohol or substance or just dependency, there may have not been space for you in your earlier life to even think about what you feel. And if you weren't asked, if nobody checked in on you, or that wasn't the way your life was because of the demands on the environment, you may not be aware of what feelings are. And so I want to normalize that, right? Like that's, that's completely okay. And if that's part of what brings you in to talk to somebody is to learn what your feelings are and when, or to get, you know, that the intertwining, right? People say, well, it makes me angry, but they're not looking at, right? Like we're talking about the subtle buildup of maybe there's sadness beneath the anger. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's emotions that are not okay, right? It's not conditioned to be okay or wasn't in your family. But when you get angry, you got a reaction. Yep. And so, you know, that habit has been kind of ingrained, even though it doesn't really work to get us to feeling better or feeling, you know, like we're moving beyond something. Or it's the only emotion that you learned, right? Meaning like maybe your dad or your mom never showed anything but anger and happiness, sadness, shame, They didn't share about those. It just looked like anger to you. So when you're modeled just two emotions, maybe you think there are only two. So tell us more about how are you? You're working with Dee Hirsch, you know, really a frontline clinic on suicide prevention and awareness about the directions you're planning on taking your work, certainly all the men's work you're doing. And, you know, I'm really interested in promoting that. And we started, by the way, uh, men's tribe a men's circle meeting on clubhouse every week i've been playing around Amazing. so uh, and i love it because i'm a dummy and people can help me out and be like you know you're not doing that right <laughs> you know? so i'm a moderator who's in need of help and support but we're doing every wednesday at noon we have a men's tribe meeting on men's circles so whether cool. you still be in a lockdown in british columbia or you're in the uk or you're in the states and you just want to talk about some anxiety about reopening or you want to talk about your wins and like just get in there. We had uh, some pretty amazing collection of participants this week, male and female, like you said, pretty amazing. So back to you, Patch, tell us 
where are you going? Yeah, of course. So I'm at Didi Hirsch currently, and I'll be there for the foreseeable future, but I'm seeing both coaching and, and therapy clients on the side. Uh, you know, I potentially may start under someone else's practice. I'm not working on the Suicide Prevention Center. That is a specific, you know, unit. I am at the Sepulveda site. So it's basically the headquarters. Looks like I'm going to be working on the full service partnership team. So that's like basically the highest need client you know, experiencing sort of co-occurring issues. That's a great program for our listeners that don't know because yeah. it takes providers and like will literally get a smaller caseload and take them to their appointment, right? You get them to the needs, right? If they can't really access them themselves and you need to get them to a psychiatrist or get them checked out at the clinic, right? You, you help them start to build that community of health around them. Precisely. Really the whole gamut of, of diagnoses, but complex needs, right? Usually a, a mix of homelessness, substance use, everything, right? Certainly my desire is to start some men's groups at Didi Hirsch as well. You know, right now I run a, well, I co-facilitate a Spanish speaking group that's called Thriving During Coronavirus. And we sort of, we created the curriculum from scratch. Honestly, it'd be good for anybody, but deals with grief, loss, you know, managing anxiety, isolation, spirituality as coping, all sorts of things. And yeah, so I'm continuing that. I co-founded a men's on the east side of, of LA and continuing to do that, which is for my own sustenance, right? My own therapy work, it's not an offering. You know, I'm also hoping to start a, um, a group for male therapists within LA and you know, the idea around that is sort of shared experience within the profession, but also, I think I already mentioned this, but a specific focus on, um, you know, helping uh, boys and men, right? So the idea there is also to like create, you know, a giant network of like think tank, essentially, right? It's like all this resource sharing to provide folks with, you know, the best care that you can for that population. I have so many men in my life, you know, coming to me and they're like, hey, how do I find a therapist? right or how do i find a men's group or how do i find x y and z and the idea is to you know have that to just tap into like oh i got like 10 people for you you know right i mean especially right you, you brought it up a few times for therapists right where is a group for therapists consultation right oh <laughs> mentor support yeah. like where is it right because otherwise right if it's hard to find it's just continuing that model of isolation, you know, that has to affect the kind of care being given or, right, burnout, right? People not returning calls, don't have the energy even to like take another client, right? So big time. I mean, yeah, it's really heavy work that a lot of us are doing. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. So yeah, that's certainly, um, you know, another big part of it for sure. That's and where I'm headed. Yeah. And I love that you've done it, right? Not that everybody is, is focused solely on the coronavirus and they, they may be burnt on it as well, but right, whether you're dealing, you know, you lost someone last year or everyone was impacted in some way. And, you know, being able to talk about hopes, goals, dreams, things that were interrupted and, and things that you'd like to resume or changes in your identity. There's kind of been an existence, it's been this pause and now there's this opportunity to launch back out. And before we get going back in the same exact direction or at the same speed, right? You kind of want to think about, right, how am I launching? And what do I, you know, can, can I get some feedback here, some mentorship, some guidance? Sounds like that's what you're doing right now in, uh, in your clubhouse. Yeah, experimenting with social media. I mean, the podcasts are great, but using the people, I mean, there's certain people that have been on my podcast who I've only met on Facebook and Facebook Messenger, right? So using, right, using new 
technology. And so when people ask me, right, and there's this pressure, right, to some people have opened up. I went to a clinic last week in Los Angeles treating trauma. I went and visited the Reconnect Center. Really impressed. They've been open every month, but the first two. So certain places are face-to-face and there's that pressure, right? I certainly miss, right? Seeing a client face-to-face, even if it's that initial greeting at the waiting room and walking in before session, right? Those little things about being in the room and being able to notice someone. And sometimes we just need that witness, not always about the words in the session. So there is something to that, but the new technologies that go along with it and, and the use of technology is tremendous as well. And for the men that are in places where they cannot get to a therapist, the fact that there's even, you know, heads, headspace, well, some of the online meditation apps, but also talk space, some of the other better help, right? Even though there's some, some controversy around that, you know, that it does allow, I had some clients on there that were like, you know, the carnival workers who were stuck in the middle of America, you know, people who are in places that they're with a roommate and they're kind of stranded without opportunity. And, you know, instead of waiting a year to get mental health help, like you said, before it manifests and like acting out or just toxic emotions or social media, being able to reach out and get support to process that. That's been a real gift of the whole thing. So, and that can shift the directions people want to take. So that's what my practice about. I'm, I'm helping a lot of, you know, men like, you know, young Gen Xers and, and, and above and think about that. How do you want to show up in your life? How do you want to show up in your career? Do you want to get break the glass ceiling in your career? Where do you want to go in your relationships? What kind of relationships do you want to lead or create? And what kind of support do you want to bring around you? And how do you draw that, right? What is one thing maybe you can do differently to create a different support system, right? Or lead the types of relationships that you're in rather than just settle. Going to senior night, I'm excited, a crazy senior year. Wow. Take some some pictures and wave to 25% filled crowd or whatever you do. I don't know what you do, but I'll just be there ready to take a photo. And Man, you you look good for having a senior in high school. Thank you. You know, yeah, it was part of my mission as a man to... uh, be a little bit more active. I had an, an older father and I mean, you know, we always wish for something different maybe than what we had, but there were some beautiful things that I bonded to a lot of men that had older fathers. And so there's beauty to uh, having the wisdom and the calm, the loyalty, but you know, I always wanted to be part of this this venture and I'd love to get, you know, be active with my son and share some of the same experiences. So it's cool to be able to, uh, to be able to create this balance. So I'm excited for that and trying to appreciate these moments, but please let everyone know as we sign off, how to get a hold of you, learn more about you. And uh, we look forward to bringing you on again and uh, connecting on uh, clubhouse or wherever else. Yeah. Excellent. I do a cartoon mental health and political and that is i like weirdos and weirdos is spelled with uh an o-e-s at the end and then mick patch m-c-c-p-a-t-c-h is my personal and both of those are instagram accounts i'm i'm in the process of creating a, a professional instagram account yeah that's where you can find me awesome and we'll be sharing those in the show notes on uh, itunes and spotify as well so for all those uh, of us that didn't catch the spelling, but I, I love it that you're sharing through humor. I love reading the Sunday comics. I'm not, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I open up the Saturday and Sunday paper to look for the comics. Man, and it's, the, laugh. it's the best. I mean, <laughs> it's the best medium. It's hard to beat. That's a great combination for uh, your advertising and skills. And I know, I know I got it. I got to give it some love. I haven't done one in a while, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I support it. 
You don't want my drawing artistry skills. I'm still getting, I'm still need improvement on my penmanship. But we all have room to grow, right, Patch? Oh, hell yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, and it's going to be fun, I promise. All right. Thank you again, Patch, to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking us out. Please like, listen, and share on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if uh, you or someone you know have a journey to share, uh, your transforming path that you've been on through mental health, through life, facing adversity, please reach out. We'd love to share it. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.